Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. His promises are yes and amen. And He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. We lack nothing. Grace is all sufficiency inside of us. Not not to just settle with the circumstance, but to be an overcomer in that situation. To experience victory, full victory. Thank you, Father. See, a, lot, a lot of times we hear that, that he's enough. And we want to try to believe that he's enough. And we settle with, well, spiritually he's enough, but my life is something different. We detach what he's placed in us from what's in our lives. And he, he's just enough in every area. And we have to know that he's willing. He's willing to bring about the blessing into our lives. It's not maybe, it's yes. It's not well when you get to this level. It's yes now. Thank you, Father. Just just stay in that for just a second. That anything you need all sufficiency, emotionally, physically, whatever. It's in you because God is in you. Thank you, Lord. We are complete. Jesus has presented us holy and without spot to the Father. And you got to let go of any other perception of yourself because it's not true. Only what God sees is true. And he sees that you have been laid in his lap by our high priest, Jesus, perfect and spotless already because of his blood. Thank you, Lord. And we just commit to see ourselves that way. just like it's good food, isn't it? <laughs> Let's show these guys a little bit of love. The heart. You know, I'm not going to go back. It's probably one of my favorite things to talk about because Jesus calls it, the, in Mark 4, Jesus says, the mystery of the kingdom I'm going to reveal to you. And he says mystery, not mysteries. And then he goes through the rest of Mark 4 and he teaches about the heart, you know. And, and what we've been talking about is that God, when you get born again, God puts a new heart in you and he puts his spirit in you. And this heart is a whole new identity. That's when we become a new creation. You become a, a brand new species. In this heart, this heart contains the nature of God. You know, this heart contains the complete law of God fulfilled and he puts this new heart inside of you and gives you right makes you righteous makes you perfect and holy 
And, if it, and for us to think we're anything different than that, it's just false humility, really. It's, it's just contrary to what God says, I will do this. You believe on me, here's a brand new identity. And it contains the kingdom of God, the fullness of the kingdom. And then he puts his Holy Spirit inside of us to brood over that and to remind us and to continually convict us of righteousness so that that seed of the kingdom grows. And, you know, Mark 4 says that it's just like a farmer puts a seed in the ground. He goes to sleep and he wakes up. He doesn't even know how it happens, but it produces fruit. You know, we are the soil. We are the ground that God put a brand new heart in, a seed of the kingdom in, and just waters it continually. And it grows. And he's in us to make sure that it grows. So the heart is extremely important. I've got a few numbers here. The heart, uh, the word heart, depending on which translation, some 833, some 925, but the word heart is in the Bible 925 times. Just to give you a little bit of context, the word heaven is in there 583 times. So heart's in there 300 more times. The word spirit, you'd think that would be a lot, 505 times. Remember, heart's over 900. The word love, only 311 times. Uh, this is the one I like, obey. You'd think that'd be in there a lot, right? 69 times. Obedience, that's got to be in there a lot, right? 12. I love that. Flip over to 1 Peter 3. And, yeah, you can, you can throw that scripture up. I'll get to the kind of going back through this in a second. But uh, you, do you know how to do that, Aaron? Put the scriptures up. 1 Peter 3, and we're going to do uh, verse 4. But the heart is the real you. It's where you believe from, Romans 10, 10, what the heart man believes. And Jesus says all things are possible to him who believes. So when we see a disconnect between what God's promised and what our life looks like, it's a heart condition. It's not God withholding. It's not God waiting on something to happen. If the cross paid for it, it's yours right now. Amen. <clears throat> so in 1 Peter 3, it's, I'm going to take it out of context because in context, what he's talking about here is he's talking to women. Paul's talking to women about respecting their husbands and not worrying about trying to be all flashy and using a bunch of makeup and all this kind of stuff. And he says, look, what's more important is what's inside. So that's the context, but he, you know, Paul will do this thing. He'll write a sentence that has like 18 commas, and it's got some other little things in there that have nothing to do with what he's talking about, but it reveals something about our nature, you know. So that's, that's what happens here. He's talking in 1 Peter 3, 4, he says, But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. I mean, that gives you a glimpse of what kind of heart God has given you. Your heart is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in, which is in the sight of God, a good price. See, it's valuable to God what he's placed inside of you. And what he's placed inside of you is this heart that can't be corrupted. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, or so goes his life. 
So as you think in your heart, put, let's put up that scripture again, uh, I mean the uh, slide about the, the heart, those three circles. Because what we have, see, we don't want to just know that God is good. You know, we don't want to just hear that you can have healing. We want to experience it, right? If it's something that he promised, it should be in our lives. And he's given us the word and the gifts to be able to steward this stuff and Jesus says about the heart, if you don't understand this parable, you're probably not going to understand the rest of what I teach. So the heart, it's invaluable to understand, you know, how it works, what it is. And, I, you know, I'm not saying that I've got it right on all these things and, I, and I'm willing to, you know, kind of replace some of these definitions. But by and large, what we know about the heart is that it is something that's new inside of you that's incorruptible. This little passage right here shows you what God's put inside of you can't be corrupted. Now, I'm going to, because I know you're thinking, well, what about sin? What about hardness of heart? I'm going get, to get to that. But just so you know, to remind you, the heart kind of acts like the brain does. So you've got your body with the five senses, and then the brain processes what happens outside of here, and it turns into neurological things and chemical reactions, and then you have thoughts and feelings based on what you experience out here. And, you know, psychologists pretty much say you are the, the sum total of your life's experiences. Everything that you've done and experienced up until now defines you. They don't allow for a separate experience, a separate identity. Where we are truly is we've been made one with the Spirit of God. God has put His Spirit inside of us, bound His Spirit to us, married us for all eternity, for never to be separated. And then he gives us this heart, which is kind of like the processor between who he is and where we experience life. So the heart is like the gateway. It's the door to be able to experience God living inside of us. And it says that your heart can think. Your heart can see. The, the, understand, the eyes of your heart, you know, gaining understanding. And that's, you know, we're going to drill down into a couple of specifics here, but just knowing that your heart can be followed, and you're not even really following your heart, it's just that your heart, you want to tune it and take care of it, and above all else, guard your heart, so that it properly hears God. Now, what's going on inside here, I'll just, I'll just give you a couple of definitions. The word think, it means to reason out, to calculate, to reckon, or to estimate. So it's not just to have this idea running through your head. When you think, you're, you're reasoning, you're calculating, you're framing up. Everything about your life is, starts with your thoughts. Thoughts are very important. Thoughts turn into things ultimately. So then we have this thing called the conscience. And, I, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to try to give you a clinical definition of conscience. But if, if you look at the root words of conscience, it's con-science, which means with knowledge. And the word with denotes, you know, it's with something. So there's like two knowledges. So what's in our soul right here is our mind, our will, our emotions, but it's where we have our conscience. And sometimes our conscience is seared. Sometimes our conscience is, doesn't serve us properly. You know, maybe we've, we've continued to think erroneously about ourselves, and so your conscience doesn't serve you the way that it should. That means you're more focused on what the world has defined. Not, not this, I'm talking about the system of what you've 
how you've behaved and how you've performed in this life, that is one source of knowledge. So then you have the Spirit of God that also is speaking to you, convicting you of righteousness. Hey, you're better than that. You don't have to choose sin. Jesus died for you. The blood of Christ has cleansed you. You're my son. You're my child. You're holy. You're beloved. You have free access into my throne room. That's the other knowledge that we have. So you have a conscience, dual knowledges that end up in your soul, and that's, that's where people then think, well, yeah, it's because we've got two natures. You've got this nature saying this, and you've got this nature saying that. No, you don't have two natures. You have one nature, but you have two knowledges inside your heart, inside your soul going on, right? You've got the knowledge of God, and you've got the knowledge of how you've lived your life. So then he gives us this scripture, and I love this, in 2 Corinthians 10. And you can throw this up, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. It says, casting down arguments or vain imaginations or reasoning, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So what we're to do is steward our heart, our soul, our mind, so that we're casting down anything that's contrary to God's knowledge inside of us. You, you, you know, we're gonna, you're gonna have the awareness of two knowledges, the knowledge of how you've performed and the knowledge of what God is telling you, but which one is more real to you? Which one is true to you? See, because what we do is we let feelings try to define to us what's more real and what's more true, rather than taking God at his word and saying, no, you know what, what you say is true. And that's easier than it sounds, right? Because emotions, I mean, we pretty much just do what we feel like doing or believe what we feel, right? I mean, what feel, what we feel, we think is our reality. And we just kind of, we have to repent, so to speak, change our mind thinking because what you feel, even though it may be a reality, even though it may be true, even though it may be something that has happened in your life, it may not be God's truth, Again, we're talking about how to consistently experience the abundant life that God has. I'm not just trying to give you fancy words or just try to figure out the type of creatures that we are. This is, this is how you have life, you know. He says that to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you want life and peace... Figure, out, figure this stuff out. Figure out how to train, renew your mind because that is where you're transformed. And we renew our mind. You know, that's why, that's why we have church. That's why it gave us the word. That's why we have the gifts. That's why we have all this stuff. That's why we're doing a school. You know, I, I'd rather just hang out and eat popcorn and laugh, you know, but we need to learn. We need to know who we are. We need to be able to teach people that are going to teach other people. That's, that's, that's really why we do this stuff. So... Eternally, you're not a mix of both of these knowledges. You know, in this world, we're still a living soul that has a carnal, mortal body. So we are kind of a mix of both knowledges, but God's truth is still what's more true about us. And at our core, we're not a combination of both of those. At our core, we are what we are spiritually because that's what we're going to be eternally. So don't look at your performance and let it redefine to you who you are 
or what God thinks about you. You know, the way God thinks about you is the way you look in your spirit, which is forever perfect and holy. That's why we stay out of sin so we don't have this battle going on in our conscience that makes us think we're losers. Amen. So, let's put that uh, heart slide back up. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. See, your heart can actually, even though it's incorruptible, meaning it can't be made sinful again by nature. You know, your heart can get to a place where you start believing what's going on out here more than you believe what the Spirit of God says to you. But that's not a corruption. It's just believing a lie. And that lie will, whether you choose the truth in this life or after eternity, either way, it's going to ultimately experience nothing but the truth. But your heart can get to a place where it's, experience, it's believing, it's more convinced of what this side says. So it's our job to properly align ourselves with what he's saying. You know, the only thoughts that we should have in our head are what God thinks about us. And trust me, when that's true, it's easier to make the right decision. It's easier to, it's easier to step into your call and live out what it is that you know God is leading you to do. I mean, it just becomes easy when you see yourself the way God sees you. And, and it, it takes work. You know, if there's any work that we need to do, that's it. Believe. Labor to enter into the rest. So I want to look at uh, 1 John. Actually, I want to get ahead of myself there. I've got a couple more slides. Let's uh, go over to the light one and put up the uh, prism. That's the dark one. Yeah. Now, I know for some of you this conjures up different <laughs> memories. <laughs> Don't, I mean, we're not, we're not going to have, like, pigs flying through the room or anything like that. But. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so this is a prism. And the way a prism works is it has clear light that comes into it. And because it has a different density and because it's not a flat just piece of glass, then what happens when pure light hits a prism, because of the different densities... It bends the light. So you've got, per, you've got clear white light coming in. It hits something, and it bends it, and it makes it look different than what, it's, what it looks like on the other side. It's the same light. It's just as it goes through the prism, it looks different. Go ahead and throw up the, the other one, too. So this one, you look at it, and it's like, now, I know that that's, that's, that pencil is not really bigger on the bottom than it is on the top. And I know that that pencil really does go straight through. So what I, just keep this in your mind. Our heart is like the water here. And it's like the prism in the other slide. All right? So 1 John 1, 5 says, This then is the message we have heard of him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness. Now, I'm, I'm not reducing all God is down to just light. We're just using this as an illustration. But God does exist as light. And so I have this picture. Go ahead and put that, those three circles back up. I'm making you work hard back there today. Because what we have is this picture of perfect 
white light as the Spirit of God inside of us. And our heart is either that water or that prism. So that when that light tries to come into our lives and it goes through that heart, is our heart just a clear white glass or clear glass that the light can come through and be untainted, unbent, so to speak? Or is our heart in such a place where it bends the light? So it's still God is active in your life. I mean, his light is still shining into your life, but the condition of your heart determines what that light's going to look like. And in the case with the pencil, it looks disconnected. It looks like those things aren't even touching. This, this, they don't even look like they're the same thing. And, you know, we do that with, what, with God all the time because he, in him is nothing but goodness. There is no darkness in him. And that's the reality of who he is in us. So as he is who he is in us, it only changes what he looks like based on our heart, based on the way that we think and we believe about who he is, his will. See, we have to know that he's only good. We have to know that his will is healing. Above all, that we prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. That's white light. So it hits our heart and if it bends and looks different, it's not because God is changing. It's not because God is doing something different than who he perfectly is. It's our perception. It's the way that we see. It's the way that we hear. You know, God may speak. One person hears thunder. One person hears a jumbled voice. One person hears a clear voice of God. It just depends on what's going on in that person's heart at that moment. So then we have the hardened heart issue. And I, and I love this because it is true that our hearts can get hard. Even a born-again new heart can get hard in areas. So let's look at Matthew, Mark's, and I know people got comments, but I want to get through this and we'll go back. But Mark 6, verse 52. Mark 6, 52. It says, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. All right, so first off, what hardens your heart is when you don't pay attention to the last time God moved in your life. See, in context, this scripture is talking about these guys were, I mean, like a day away from experiencing Jesus multiplying two loaves of bread and five fish to five, 20,000 people. The next day, they're worrying about food. And he's like, look, you, are you, your heart is already hard. Did you forget about yesterday? Did you forget about the miracle of the loaves? And that's what he's saying is the way you know your heart is hard is what you're thinking about is dominated more by what's in front of you rather than what God's already done for you. If in your life the problem is more real to you than the last time God provided for you, your heart's hard. Again, that doesn't, remember, it's incorruptible. That doesn't mean it's sinful. That doesn't mean that you've backslidden or fallen away from God or any of that kind of stuff. may mean you've backslidden. Maybe not. <laughs> But here's what hardened means. And, and I love this because just picture the perfect, clear heart. And here's what hardened means. To cover with a thick skin, to harden by covering with a callus. So really, it's just to put something over, over it, to put something over the heart, to make that heart 
that thing calloused or put, uh, put a skin over it. And then it also means to make the heart dull. You know, think about a, think about a glass that's perfectly clear. And then think about, you know, how glass gets those hazes, those spots in them, you know. Well, imagine how the light has a harder time going through those things. A hard heart dulls or calluses the heart so that that clear white light can't shine through it properly. See, God is in you if you're a believer. He desires good things for you. All that's good and perfect comes down from the Father of lights. And his will is that above all you prosper, be in health as your soul prospers. That has to be the first thing that we have as our conscience of who God is. We have to believe that that is who God is. He's good. Then we take away the idea of, well, is God holding back from me? Is he wanting this? Is he really wanting What's his will? You know, good. Just, if you have those thoughts, just remember, God's good. Jesus paid my debt. Then from then on, it's a matter of, all right, what am I looking at? Is the problem bigger for me than God's provision? So if you've ever experienced God working in your life ever, even once, raise your hand. Y'all did it fast. Oh, did everybody's hands go up? Okay. So that means you have something to look back to and remember, you know what? God has moved in my life. And if I'm having trouble connecting or believing, then I've hardened my heart. And all it means is I've got to just take the veil off. I've just got to shift what I'm looking at and remember, you know what? God providing for me yesterday because he's eternal is no different than providing for me tomorrow. He's already done it. It's already happened. It's already come into physical manifestation in this realm, but spiritually, it's already happened. Everything that you need, he has. And, I, and it's not just negative things. It's also things that you need to step into what it is God's calling you to do, the good things. You know, life may be good for you right now. Life may be, there's no major problems, your kids are doing okay, you know, your marriage is good, uh, but it's like, I know there's bigger things that I want to step into. And if those bigger things, if it's like, I'm not sure what to do, or it's okay if you don't know what to do. Just set your sail and trust that that pure white light of God is shining onto the garden of your heart. I'm going to get poetic here. <laughs> and we all know what happens when a light hits a, a well-groomed garden. It just flourishes. That is the king. That is how the kingdom works. It's in you as a seed, just like he said in Mark 4. And then he gives this pure white light to nourish it. And all we have to do is just wash it with the water of the word. Keep it, keep it moist. Stay focused on him. I mean, it sounds real easy, right? I mean, really, I say the same thing in here every week. I just try to say it differently because we forget. We forget so easy how complete we really already are in him and how good that he is and how that he, he's, like, he's like this perpetual motion generator of life that never stops. And he's just in you, constantly spitting out life, constantly moving you toward health, constantly speaking life to you. And then we filter that through our dense brain. And, and that's the only thing that bends the light is the density issue. 
So it, it's called refraction. It refracts, and then it looks different from us. That's why we see our lives, because God's shining this perfect light into us. So we see that. We see what he wants, and then we see our lives. It's because of, you know, it's just like the prism. And I'm just going to repeat this, because this is the way God gave it to me. You know your heart is hardened when you're not considering the good things God has already done for you. If you're facing something good or bad, and you're not full of faith because of the last time God manifested in your life, your heart is just hard in that area, just take the veil off. Simply turn your heart's gaze to the pure light of God and let faith arise in your heart. See, we're in this thinking of we have to do things to get, get it working, to get it active in our life, you know, for grace to become active. And really, it's the opposite. All we have to do is stop throwing stuff over the top of it, you know. I mean, if you throw a big old blanket over your garden, it's going to try to work through that. It may break through that eventually. But the way that we throw mud on our heart is sin, doubt, listening to the devil, you know. The devil lives in this realm out here. He's not inside. The devil can't read your thoughts. They've just had a couple thousand, thousands of years of observing human behavior, so they probably can figure out what you're thinking, but the devil does not live in here. He lives out here. And he speaks, and you can come into agreement with that or not. That's another light that comes from the outside. So, huh? Conscience, yeah. He'll, yeah. Our, our conscience can be aware of what he's speaking, certainly. So then we have this scripture in Isaiah 60. Flip over to Isaiah 60, and I'm going to go one through five, but I want you to see this because this just, man, this just did it for me. Do you see the picture of God in you as light? I mean, it even says in the Bible, God is light. He is all sufficiency inside of you. In this light is every, you know, in the light, in the sun, the light that comes to the earth, which travels like 186,000 miles a second, that's how fast God can move in your life. You need God to move in your life? Nearly instant. But in the light, of just the sun, just the created light source, has everything in it, well, most everything in it, that, this, that the plant needs, right? has all these nutrients inside of it. It's just like God inside of us. Everything we need to thrive is in us. And it's this perfect light shining on us to produce life. In Isaiah 60, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the Gentiles shall be come to you. But this first part of 65, then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy. You know, I mean, this is the cure for depression. This is the cure for just 
being down, you know. His perfect light inside of us, but let's put up that, those three circles one last time. It doesn't just make you able to go to heaven, okay? It doesn't just promise you healing. But remember, this stuff all is connected. This stuff all works together. So if you even just need your thoughts, you need help with your thoughts. <laughs> you need help with your emotions, you know, just even just your physical energy. That's all the way you feel physically is by and large a product of the condition of your body. Well, what if the way you felt physically was more influenced by the condition of your spirit? It's possible. If it works one way, it can work the other. But how hard is your heart? Are you more committed to the uh, treadmill <laughs> or to God? I mean, seriously. There, there have been studies done. UC Berkeley does a lot of crazy studies. And UC Berkeley did this study, weight loss study, um, where they put people on a diet, measured their weight loss, and then they, they had another group where they just had them sit and meditate on losing weight, seeing themselves skinnier. Medit you know, I don't know all the details of the meditation, but basically just a meditative weight loss program. Well, guess what happened? They lost the same weight. Lost the same weight. I don't know. Yeah. Y'all are ruining my. <laughs> but the same, so the same thing with shooting baskets. UC Berkeley did the same thing. They had two groups. One, they shot free throws every day for like 30 minutes. Another group, they had them just sit and meditate on seeing themselves shoot free throws for 30 minutes, measured their accuracy rate before the week, measured their accuracy rate at the end of the week. Both groups progressed just about the same, just because they one did the muscle uh, reconditioning and the other just sat and meditated on it. I mean, the power of meditation, what if your meditation is not just the power of positive thinking, but if it's actually fueled by the Spirit of God inside of you, who is constantly reminding you what the Father has told you, leading you into truth, showing you things to come. That is what the Holy Spirit does. I mean, we are wired for life and health and purity and success and abundance. And, and it's real. I'm telling you, this stuff works. It's true. It's real. But the world is not experiencing it because too many Christians don't know how good God is. And that really, that really is where it starts. Have to know the nature of God so that we stop throwing mud on the garden of our heart. Father, we thank you that you're, you created this plan to not just be with us once we die, but to live inside of us, to be life inside of us. And you said whoever has the son has the life. Father, thank you for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, Christ in us, which really is the secret, the mystery of, of the ages, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you.
We thank you for making us righteous, for bringing us into the beloved, for making us acceptable before the Father. That is how I'm going to think about myself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, I just hear, I don't know if it's somebody that's in here going to listen to the recording, but I just hear the thinking of, well, if I could just stop doing this, then I could experience that light. Well, it works the other way, actually. Obedience is a fruit of belief within the new covenant. Obedience doesn't produce belief. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for revelation of your life inside of us that filters through us and then changes our actions once we rest in your love for us. Father, thank you for your peace.